you are tuned in to everything under the sun. So, Sun's regular pro, uh, radio program every week, right here on KDNK, the best music station this side of the Mississippi. We just had the wonderful, none other, Cody Lee helping us figure out the new phone system here at KDNK. And we're hoping that we have Mr. Alan Munoz with uh, Vosos Unidas de las Montañas on the line. Are you there, Alan? Yes, sir. I'm here. Beautiful. Thank you for bearing with us as we figure out this new setup. Oh, of course. No worries. I'm, I'm glad to be on the show. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I appreciate the invitation. And yeah, here, here to go. Fantastic. Uh, so, Alan, uh, we want to talk to you about a couple things today because Vosis uh, has been involved with some exciting stuff. Uh, it sounds like at the Capitol, the, um, and that's not the state Capitol, but the national Capitol in Washington, D.C. So we want to hear a little bit about that. And then we also want to hear about the, um, of course, the um, the ongoing uh, migrant situation uh, with uh, the arrivals of Venezuelans, which has uh, certainly not been a new issue to the world, but is something that's come to the doorstep of Carbondale. And uh, uh, Vosas Unidas has really stepped up to um, try and meet uh, this response. So thank yeah, you I for mean, joining uh, us. No, of course. Of course. We're, we're here to help our community. We're here to elevate the voices of, of those whose voice has been shut down and has been silenced for the longest time. So we're here just doing our part like everyone else. Well, that's great. I would argue that you guys are, might be doing a little bit more, but there are a lot of people who are doing equally as good of work in different uh, for different uh, um, elements of society that certainly need a little bit more support. And as you said, uh, elevated voice. And tell us actually, uh, just for, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, folks um, listening who are not uh, uh, very versed in Spanish at all. So tell us just the translation for Voces Unidas de, de las Montañas. Yeah, so Voces Unidas de las Montañas translate to, translates into United Voices of the Mountains. You know, we, we are a nonprofit organization that does work in uh, here in the Central Mountain region. We go as far east as Silverthorne, as far west as Parachute, and south into Leadville and south into Aspen. Wonderful. And um, that's fantastic. And how long has Vosa been around, Alan? Vosa has been around since 2020-ish, right at the pandemic is when Vosa first started. Um, and yeah, we've been going strong for three years, focusing on a lot of different work, doing a lot of different things, and just being part of the community. Fantastic. Uh, the last time I saw you, um, I was reporting on the uh, apple tree water quality issue, uh, and apple tree, of course, has a very large population of uh, Latinos who reside there. Um, and I, I would be curious to ask about that, but uh, of course, we don't have enough time. <laughs> next time, next time, next time, you're on the show. Next time, uh, just uh, as a little preview to that, is that still an ongoing issue um, uh, that the community of apple tree is uh, responding to? Yeah, we're still organizing folks in Apple Tree. That hasn't died down uh, one bit at all. Uh, we're okay. just looking at, you know, continuing the work at the state level to ensure that we pass laws and policies that are for the benefit of the community. Okay. Okay, now I definitely want to get to the elephant in the room just because it is, uh, it's definitely on the minds of a lot of people in Carbondale um, and, uh, and the Valley. Uh, so regarding this influx of Venezuelans um, into Carbondale specifically, but the Valley as well. 
Um, and if people had uh, picked up the Sopria Sun this week, uh, which just printed today, so I don't blame you if you haven't made it down already to pick up a copy, gives a little bit of background into the um, into this the migrant crisis out of uh, Venezuela, which has reached about 7.7 million people. So Carbondale is not unique. Uh, Denver has also been struggling with uh, at least 26,000 uh, migrants from Venezuela coming through there. This all, of course, uh, has arisen out of um, after 10 years or so of um, people migrating uh, due to the strict government crackdowns and I think you know it took me a second but then I recalled and I was in college I think at the time but uh, there was some very large um, there were the entire country it seemed was rising up and protesting in 2013 um, and 2015 in response to the um, what a lot of people would say is the dictatorships of Hugo Chavez and um, uh, was uh, Maduro, I forget his first name, who succeeded uh, Hugo Chavez. But just so people know that there is, there's this uh, international context uh, to this situation, and it has come to Carbondale's front door. Um, anything you want to add to that background, Alan? Have you had the opportunity to research that, or has this situation compelled you to uh, do a little bit of that research? No, yeah, I mean, understanding the geopolitical landscape of, of world politics and global politics really gets you to understand the complexities behind it. Um, but what, what I can really speak to, to be honest, is the, the experiences that some of the individuals have shared with me, right? That the reason they're here is because they'd be uh, unjustly and unfairly persecuted in their home country. And, you know, making the travel, making the journey from Venezuela to the United States and in our case, all the way to Carbondale, is worth a hundred times more than staying in their home country. So I, I just think that's something that we need to put into context uh, when looking at this issue as a whole, um, because I really think that it's easy to blame the individuals, uh, to blame the the specific things happening, um, instead of looking at the overarching picture and realizing that it's a systemic issue, and that individuals here from Venezuela just want to. Uh, just want to be part of the community, just want to have uh, a life that is full of opportunity and success for themselves and for their family. Uh, can you share uh, some of what you've heard in terms of the uh, um, conditions in Venezuela uh, that cause people to leave? Yeah, I mean, without getting into it too much, because I don't want to, I would rather much see the, the, the individuals themselves, you know, have that autonomy to share to share their experiences but, you know, the, the living conditions, from my understanding, are to the point where, again, they'll prefer, it's easier to make the journey from Venezuela to here than it is to live there. That, you know, yeah, go ahead. No, that's just that's so poignant. And so uh, I've heard that actually as recently, uh, interestingly, at Plymouth Rock <laughs> on a vacation. And, uh, and and they asked, and I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but um, they asked, like, what would incentivize you to get on into this small ship, which the Mayflower is actually a real small ship, um, and make this journey? And in that, and then in this case, you know, in the case of uh, 
um, the 1600s and these Puritans, they felt like they were being persecuted. So they had a reason to get on this ship and endure this really long, arduous travel with and not knowing what was on the other side, but only hoping it was better. I'm not saying that's a direct comparison, uh, but I just think it's it rang true when you mentioned that, that obviously uh, to undergo such a uncertain and challenging journey, there must be a real good reason to want to leave where you are. Yeah, and I mean, I will say that this isn't anything new. For decades, we've had an immigration um, crisis almost, maybe not crisis, but issues to where families need to leave their home countries and they come to the United States because this is where they're looking for opportunities. You know, from, from Mexico to Guatemala to Honduras, and Salvador, you know, all these countries, it, it's been going on forever. And we just have to make sure we're helping and supporting as much as we can. Absolutely. Um, and I'll just uh, mention, I guess, one last thing on kind of the macro level and something that I uncovered in my research and from the Congressional Research Center uh, is that also there's been there, you know, with the dictatorships in Venezuela, there was a U.S. response of um, implementing uh, sanctions that certainly contributed, and um, it says this in, in the congressional report, to uh, the economic crisis in Venezuela. So kind of uh, maybe um, making it a little bit full circle, like this responsibility um, on an in international level um, can be shared, perhaps. I, I think I, I would agree with you. Okay, um, so I do want to get um, focused more a little bit on the uh, local situation here in Carbondale. Um, and people, again, can uh, turn to page four of this week's Sopris Sun to find a write-up. I also would encourage people to go to the Colorado Sun's website who uh, uh, delivered a pretty comprehensive story a few days ago. Um, they got the drop on us, as did a lot of uh, news agencies. Um, Alan, uh, tell us about um, the uh, just kind of give us a rundown of uh, Vosa's role in coordinating um, with the um, the displaced Venezuelan group um, that was recently uh, discovered or more or less under uh, and around the bridge, uh, the Veterans Bridge in Carbondale. Can you explain how Vosa's has helped facilitate meetings between that group and uh, the town of Carbondale, as well as the um, community in general. Of course, yeah. I mean, so I, I think it really started, it was uh, Saturday, uh, November 4th, when we got word that there was a group of, of Venezuelan refugees who were living under the bridge in Carbondale. So uh, uh, my supervisor, the CEO and president of Los Unidos, Tyler Sanchez, he uh, and uh, Representative Elizabeth Blasco, um, went to go investigate, and and they went to go see if it was true, see if they could find anyone. And what they found was that it was true. So what we did in the next day, Sunday, the fifth, was gather up a response team of volunteers, of local staff, and go and do intakes to see how much or how many folks were there, um, what kind of support they were needing, uh, what kind of things are they dealing with. Um, and there we were we were able to get around fifty. Um, 50 folks who are willing willing to, and the willingness to share their information with us, but then also, you know, counted around 80, 80 individuals uh, in total that are within that group. 
And, you know, Monday came around and we were bringing from what we had to do. So we knew that we had to uh, ensure that the, the, the group of Venezuelans had autonomy and that they were advocating for themselves. So we helped uh, establish a committee. You know, the committee was folks that stepped up um, and said, I want to be part of the uh, representing the group in all of these conversations. Um, so that committee right now is standing around like, uh, you know, uh, 12 to 14 people uh, with, you know, with uh, some of those including alternate committee members in case some folks can't make meetings for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, from there we said, okay, so now we identified who these folks were. We identified as a group what the needs are. So now let's start connecting with those who can give out these services. Because Voces Unidas, we're not a service-based organization. We are an advocacy organization. And I just think it's very clear to understand the difference between the two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, nonprofits that serve services uh, are, are crucial, crucial parts of our community. Um, but that's just not what we are, right? We're at, we're trying to uh, uh, trying to address the issue through a different avenue, through a different lens. Most of that time being policy uh, or being different uh, sorts of demonstrations. So. However, during times of crisis and emergency, we 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 were out on the ground and, and doing as much as we can. So. Uh, on Tuesday of last week, we gathered with over 25 nonprofit leaders uh, and, you know, nonprofits, congregations, churches, and everything. Uh, and they were able to hear directly from members of the committee about what their needs were and were able to say, you know, this is what, these are the services that we offer. We want to help. So that was great of them to be there and offer that, uh, extend that arm of, of you know, of, of support for our newest neighbors in, in Carbondale. Um, and then the next day on Wednesday, we were able to connect with uh, town leadership, uh, the mayor, um, the town manager, the chief of police, uh, and others who could sit down and listen and hear directly from the, the committee members again uh, to identify what areas they could serve and how to best serve. I have Gus Richardson here, a youth journalist with us, who would also like to ask a question of you, Alan. Yeah, of course. So um, how often does your organization, like, make this kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like, first contact with these refugees? And, like, how does it feel to be the organization doing that? Well, I mean, it's, like I said earlier, we're just trying to do our part. You know, someone had to step up, and I think we, we here at Voces, with the leadership that we have, we knew that it was the right thing to do. And we knew that we wanted to, to be the ones to hopefully create a sense of autonomy so that the the group of Venezuelan refugees themselves could really advocate for themselves. So that's, you know, it felt, it felt great to be part of these, uh, these first conversations. We met a lot. I, I personally met a lot of great individuals uh, that are a part of that group. And, and I'm glad that they, honestly, I'm really glad that they are here. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Alan. Uh, for our listeners, you are tuned into Everything Under the Sun, the Sopra Sun's uh, weekly radio program right here on KDNK. We are speaking with Voces Unidas de las Montañas Regional Organizing Manager Alan Munoz about the community's uh, recent efforts to address the influx of displacement uh, Venezuelan migrants in Carbondale. Um, now, Alan, uh, we, you know, as a, a paper, decided to respect the fact that there are there is a contention over immigration issues. Um, I noticed that there is some pretty, uh, I'd say, um, maybe perhaps vitriolic uh, comments on social media, the, and um, so I understand this uh, protecting the security of um, 
of the uh, uh, these migrants, um, and so we did not disclose that there, that, you know, that there is a community center um, or public space that has offered uh, to provide shelter. Um, it is very temporary. The shelter is not adequate um, to sustain um, a group of forty to sixty uh, people um, staying overnight, and. I had the chance uh, to stop by uh, the shelter and speak with a couple people. And uh, at the time, they were organizing a meeting along with Irene um, Whitrock, uh, who has been, it sounds like, the boots on the ground um, uh, uh, representative of Bosas Unidas working with the people at this uh, makeshift shelter. Um, Now... One thing that stuck with me is she said the meeting was to kind of go over some ground rules and um, such as curfew and things like that. But also what stuck with me was that uh, part of the conversation was to ask people to refrain or not tell their friends or family to come to Carbondale. Uh, Can you speak to that? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's because the, the space is very limited. Uh, I think specifically uh, where where the temporary housing is, um, you know, not going to turn anyone away. We're a community, and and we'll figure it out for sure. Um, one of the big pieces, though, that I think we need to address as 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 a state, but also as a nation, is is really coming up with the right solution to this crisis. As you said earlier, twenty six thousand Venezuelans are in, are in Denver, and Denver's struggling to, to figure a solution out right mm-hmm. um so folks are looking for different areas but i think what we need to do is as far north or as far south into aspen as far west as into parachute collaborating with all the local counties all the local governments we need to come up with a better solution um because that's just the reality of the world that we're going to live in now um that where folks are going to come here and if they do we're going to embrace them with open arms we're going to help them um but we need to make sure that local elected officials, local service-based nonprofits, and anyone else that has a role in this community to serve is doing so. And we're doing it right, we're doing it efficiently, and, and we're, you know, and we're doing no harm, and, and we're just trying to help. Uh, that's, uh, thank you, Alan. And I, I would, it, obviously, and an elephant in the room, or what some people are concerned about is that there, of course, is already a housing crisis here, but uh, whether you're Anglo or Latino, um, it, it's it's a really challenging time to find affordable housing, and so it sounds like uh, focusing more on that regional approach and reaching out to f- um, fellow jurisdictions uh, um, sounds like a fair approach. I think Gus had another question. Um, I really want to know if you guys have, or you as the organization being you guys, um, have any any ideas right now about a more permanent situation solution to the situation. Not that I can speak to directly. There's There's been a lot of different conversations about, you know, uh, switching to bigger spaces or, you know, spaces that have facilities um, and that kind of thing. So there, there isn't any concrete um, solutions moving forward. Um, but I, I am glad to say that we are having conversations with elected officials in Carbondale and in different counties uh, to try to come up with solutions. Great. Um, now, I do want to ask a little bit about uh, your visit to uh, Washington, D.C., but before then, um, I understand that the, these uh, um, people who have arrived in 
Carbondale are also they are without any essentials, um, and and but there's also uh, legal assistance that's needed. Uh, many of most all these people qualify for temporary protected status because of uh, the humanitarian concern um, in Venezuela. Uh, so. Um, where can people go and what kind of help can people offer right now? When, when you say people, you mean like other community members, how could they help? Exactly, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, first thing is trying to just uh, understanding that it, please do not blame individuals, right? I think that's that's the biggest thing. Understanding that this is our community, they're here in our community now, they're our, they're our neighbors now. Uh, so we got to come together and come up with solutions when one of our neighbors is struggling. You know, I think that's the first thing. Uh, second piece, you know, it, it, it is helping with some donations. You know, winter, winter's coming, so winter boots, snow pants, thick jackets, blankets, those kinds of things are are very much needed still. Um, however, you know, the hard part right now is because of the limited space, with limited storage, we can't just take a bunch of donations all at once. We sort of need to be um, efficient and coordinate and make sure that things are getting used and things are getting to people directly instead of just having a big pile of clothes, you know? Right, absolutely. So that's, that's another piece. And then, you know, just like moving forward and there's a bunch of different issues, you know, like you said, the, the legal um, the legal ramifications of DPS, temporary protective status, and, you know, being part of that, potentially helping uh, as a volunteer to help them fill out DPS. You know, we're, we're looking at potentially hosting a legal clinic or a TPS workshop for the, the refugee group to help them fill out the TPS or potentially, you know, any any immigration attorney that would be willing to donate their time to be a part of this to give some sort of legal consultation to these individuals. That's the kind of thing that we're going to be working on. Fantastic. And where could people go? Uh, could you give us your website? Because I understand there's a link there that people can get in contact uh, with you all um, and uh, to coordinate uh, help. Yeah, of course. You can go to vocesunidas.org. Very simple. And right in the middle of the page, you'll see you'll see the project. And, and we're trying to update uh, or give updates as often as we can. Um, so, you know, at, at least a couple times a week, we'll have updates on what's been going on, uh, you know, what's been uh, the total number, the shelter, hot meals, food, uh, other, you know, clothes, clothing donation, et cetera, et cetera. Fantastic. So Okay, great. Thank you so much, Alan. Um, and so we have three minutes left. <laughs> so in that three minutes, tell us what you were doing uh, in um, Washington, D.C., along with the rest, or uh, not a part of the crew of Voces Unidas. Yeah, yeah. So we were in D.C. doing our civic duty and, and advocating for change, you know. We were part of, of over 5,000 individuals for uh, joining and coming together to join the Here to Work uh, campaign. Uh, so the Here to Work campaign is work permits for all. So, you know, with with the work, the Here to Work campaign, our ask is we're urging President Biden to expand work authorization for long-term immigrant members of our community. You know, he can exercise leadership with a stroke of a pen under existing law because, you know, as we continue to advocate for comprehensive immigration reform, um, we know that right now the president, President Biden, uh, has the ability to provide immediate relief through ex existing legal authority, through uh, parole, through temporary protected status, but then also through uh, deferred enforced departures. So we were there 
So this, that was a lot of uh, technical uh, technical words for sure. Um, but it, we were there because we know that right now there is no real hope for comprehensive immigration reform through a legislative solution. So instead, you know, as a community, we have to get creative on, on figuring out how to protect our families, how to protect members of our community. And one of those ways that we figured out was, you know, expanding parole, expanding CPS, and expanding uh, deferred uh, or deferred enforcement departure um, to long-term immigrants, immigrants who have been here for 10, 15, 20, 20 years, um, but have never seen any sort of resolution. And, you know, the great thing is that this, is un- this isn't any new policy. This isn't new, uh, new legislation. This is all under the authority that, that the executive office or the executive branch has through the president. Okay. Well, Alan, thank you for uh, filling us in um, with um, what y'all were up to in D.C. And, I under- and I'm assuming that's probably on your blog as well. At oh, yeah. You find- yeah, you'll be able to find all of what we've been doing in D.C., especially at our, 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 excuse me, in our um, social medias, at Voces Unidas. Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to see all the pictures and you'll be able to see all the posts that we took. Fantastic. And uh, your website, one more time for our listeners. Yes, our website is vocesunidas.org. Wonderful. Alan, thank you so much. We'll see you somewhere out on the trail. Thank you for joining us today on Everything Under the Sun. Have an awesome Thursday, man. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. You too. Bye.